Okay, I'm here at the uh, Casual Connect conference in Seattle, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Daniel Cook from uh, LostGarden.com. And, um, you know, what's, what's LostGarden.com about? So I started writing Lost Garden as a series of essays on game design and how game design can both change, well, how, how we play games, but also, let me start that over. <laughs> so there's an immense amount of knowledge about game design out there in the world right now. However, it's sort of trapped in all this little tiny moments of experiential learning that particular game developers have had. So it's very, very difficult for new developers to understand, like, what are the fundamentals of this, this art that we do? What are the fundamentals of game design? So I thought, well, these things are out there. Why not start putting them down in writing? So I started writing, like, just basics, like, what does a core loop work like? How do reward cycles work like? And uh, people started reading it, and they started enjoying it. And I found that there was this immense pool of people who wanted to make games. They had played games all their life. They desperately wanted to make games, but they didn't know how. And by putting the knowledge out there, there's almost this process that goes on. It's a little bit like gardening. You know, you're, you're cultivating this next generation of truly great game developers. And if you can help them out just a little bit with some free graphics or some little insights about, oh, this is how a reward loop works. This is how a positive feedback loop works. Then you've saved them years and years and years of learning so that they're just going to make their masterpiece sooner. So that's that's where the website came from. So let's talk about um, you know cultivating this next generation of game designers. Um, you know, what, where are the opportunities? Where do, what do you see as the opportunities for the next generation of game designers? This is, this is my favorite topic. So, um, as we were talking about earlier, uh, the cost of tools is dropping dramatically. So you can pick up Flash for really inexpensive. You can pick up, you know, uh, just, you know, open source uh, engines, open source uh, code editors, and you can just, an individual in their bedroom can put out a game tomorrow if they want to. Even if you don't know how to program, you can get something like Game Maker or RPG Maker, and you can go and put out a game tomorrow. Uh, and you can even build a community around that game, too. Absolutely. So you can have blogs, you can have all sorts of wonderful community software. Um, and not only, this is this is all wonderful, so you can make it, and you can get people who are passionate and interested and come and talk about it, but you can also send it out there to millions and millions of people. I was just working with uh, one indie developer, um, Andre Spearings, on a game called Bunny, and he wrote me this drunken email one night. He says, I really, really, really want to make games. And I'm like, well, why don't why don't you make a game? And he's like, well, well how? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I've got, I've got the, a game design up on my website, and I've got some free graphics. No one's really made a good version of it. It's kind of like a script to a movie, right? You know, you put out a game design, and people are like, well, you know, I made this really crappy version. I'm like, why don't you make a good version of that? So he did. And he worked on it for a few weeks. He released it up on some Flash websites. And millions of people played his version of the game. This is a guy who wrote to me drunk from Australia. And weeks later, he had millions of people playing his game. How amazing is that? 
you know, that's that's an opportunity that that guy wouldn't have believed was even possible until he talked to you. I mean, really, what is it that's going to convince these kind of next-gen game designers that have the talent? Because Andre had the talent, but he didn't do it until he talked to you. I mean, is it wise to get a mentor? Is it wise? Like, what do you think finally convinced him to actually do it, aside from you seeing it? I mean, maybe it was just the fact there was a clear design that he could now build off of. I mean, where? Because that's, that's something that I've seen with indie game developers. It's like, they have the potential. They just, first of all, they don't believe that it's even possible for an indie developer to have more plays than Doom or something else. Um, but also, maybe it's just working alone versus working even with two people that makes a difference. So, so I come from an artist background, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I've, I've seen is, is the same the same thing happens with painters, right? Yeah. So say, people say, oh, I can't draw or I can't paint, you know? And then you put them in an art class and you actually give them proper training. And there's this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of, like, what it means to be an artist. And that's sort of boiled down into some of these art classes. And then they realize, oh, wait, if I practice, if I tr- do some of these training exercises, Sizes, then wait a second, I can paint. And by doing it, by getting the sort of the, the help the, and, and then practicing and iterating, by the time they've done this for several years, they start self-identifying as painters. And it's the same exact thing with being an indie gamer or being a game developer, right? You you say, well, I'm going to try something, and you'll fail at first because when, if you paint something, it's going to be ugly at first. That's just the way of it. If you can find a mentor, if you can find someone who has had, you know, years of experience and has done it, they'll they'll point you out in the right direction. They'll say, try this or try that, or have you thought about this before? Yeah. Talk to a lot of people, and eventually, over iterating game after game after game, um, for years on end, maybe like two or three years, you'll start saying, wait a sec, I'm no longer flubbing about. It was painful at first, but I had the grit to continue, and I've made games, and now, heck, I self-identify as a game developer. I, I think another interesting thing to point out is the concept of the fact that he was able to make this game in a couple weeks. Um, so, even if you're an indie developer, you can make an awesome game in under a week or even two weeks, and just iterate from that. It doesn't have to be a two-year or three-year life cycle. Maybe you're iterating a ton of games during that two or three years, but I think that quick feedback does open the doors for a lot more people. Oh, oh, absolutely. To continue the uh, drawing metaphor, one of the things that they do is these quick sketches. You know, they do these quick five-minute sketches. It's like, all right, there's a naked model in front of you. Have you ever drawn a naked model before? Nope. Well, you're going to do something, and you've got five seconds to draw it. You know, that's impossible. I, there's no way I can draw this exquisite human form in five seconds. Well, try it. And now you're going to do 300 of those. Now, after 300, you start getting a general idea of what's going on with that with that person. Having those short, tiny little game cycles, some of the game jams that happen, they allow uh, they allow new developers to practice their skills. What does it mean to start a game, to balance it, to finish it all in 24 hours? You know, critical skills. Great. Um, now let's transition into where you see game design going. Um, you kind of had something on your website about um, game design in Microsoft Word or something else like that. Can you talk about the opportunities for, for these next generation of game developers? Should they be focusing on pure, like, the traditional games? Or what are the, what are the new design spaces that they can look into? So, uh, 
this is one of the things that excites me the most about game development at the moment. Um, so, game design is really applied psychology. It's like, how do we create these reproducible systems that cause people to interact in a predictable way, that they feel like self-motivation, they feel like, I'm choosing, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm improving my life, I have mastery over what's going on, I have uh, involvement in this higher purpose, you know, I feel like I'm doing this for a good reason. Um, that's really what games do, is they, 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 they leverage these systems of psychology. Now, that's great, and that's wonderful, but those same systems exist outside of Mario Brothers. And now they're, they're being extended to multiplayer games, right? So now you have these multiplayer systems of politics and ratings and how people care about one another. And take those wonderful systems that we're seeing in multiplayer games, that we're seeing in cooperative experiences, and apply them to the broader world. Like, what happens when suddenly you're managing your money based off a game? So you want to save money. What happens if you're learning to use a software application? Like we did one with um, uh, Ribbon Hero, it's called for Microsoft Office. Taking this 20-year-old ancient application and suddenly people are smiling when they use it because they're having fun learning how to use uh, Microsoft Word. That's a shocking thing to do, and it's delightful, and that's sort of the, the future that, you know, those, those systems of psychology, that's, that's where they can take you in the future to, to uh, improve activities throughout, throughout human experience. And, um, you know, so then would you say that this upcoming decade will be the decade of gaming? As compared to, say, the last decade being digital software? I think what you'll find is this next century is going to be the century of gaming. Uh, and there's going to be uh, applied psychology through computer systems, which is sort of the broader class of game mechanics, is an extremely powerful tool. And it will be used for good, and it will be used for evil. And as game designers, we need to be involved in shaping it for good. We affect hundreds of millions of people. Hundreds of millions of people. As a game designer, you can change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. What are you going to do with that power? I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about very deeply, and then do whatever you can to make a difference using the, using that uh, that that craft and those skills for good. You know, aside from making games, is there anything else you suggest then next generation game designers, game developers to look into to make sure that they're going to be making an awesome contribution to the space? Oh, goodness. Uh, there's all sorts of things. To be a good game designer, you have to be well-rounded. Psychology is a good one. Politics is a good one. Government is actually, if you're looking at multiplayer systems, that's a great one. Uh, economics is critical. Another area that I really focus on in my blog a lot is the combination between the art of game design and the business of game design. Yeah. They're very tightly tied together. So um, be, be a broad-minded, well-rounded individual because we're ultimately dealing 
dealing with the, the breadth of human experience. You know, our tools are game mechanics, but ultimately we're dealing with human players and you have to understand people to make great games. And where can people find out more about your blog writings? What's the site again? Uh, the website is uh, www.lostgarden.com. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.